Here he is. Hello, mate. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. So, Jambar, here we've got a new sponsor. Yes, mate. So, for season two of the Hitting the Areas podcast, we have a brand new sponsor. Uh, the guys at Ellsbury Glazing Repairs have kindly sponsored us for this season. Um, so, for any sort of glazing and window repairs, they're your guys to go to. So, you know when um, your windows blow and you get all that sort of condensation and, and maybe some water inside the glass? Yep. These are the guys to talk to. Um, I've literally just had it done. My missus has been banging on for ages about getting it done. I had them come in. They've taken a look and they've done a brilliant job. It's like I've got new glass. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking for... Um, that type of service in the area so any sort of window repairs or any glazing specialities um you need to give them a call so you can give them a call on 07-889-730-995 or you can email them at glazingrepairs at hotmail.com now they normally serve the likes of buckinghamshire oxfordshire hertfordshire and bedfordshire um and their aim is to give you a clearer view every time you can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Nice one, Jambo. Let's get back to the podcast. Welcome to the Hit in the Areas podcast with me, Jamie Roberts, and my co-host, Richard Kyson. Rich, how are you? I'm really good, Jambo. Really good. Yep. How are you? Yeah, good. We are one down. Uh, massive thanks to Mickey Hazard for coming on last week and um, yeah brilliant podcast we've had a lot of good reviews from mainly you know mainly Spurs fans which is obviously fair enough but um, there's some real good nuggets in there for young players um, some really good uh, um, information from Mickey about you know technique and, and, and changing your game up and stuff like that so it's a real good listen for any young footballers out there that are, that are trying to make their way in the game um this week we are going very very different very mm. different so this week you you've managed to pull off a a, a real good one here mate Cheers, man. um we have got the england senior kit man pat frost um so pat will be well known across the football world um especially in the professional game um he's worked for lots of clubs lots of nations um, but yeah, we managed to get the England senior kit man and, and you've wanted a kit man for a long time and who better to get? <laughs> yeah. Ever since we started this Jambo, uh, I, I, I think in the first like week or so I said, I, I really wanted a kit man um, purely because, you know, you, you never hear, like you never hear the game from their sort of, you know, from their side of it. And uh, um, like you say, how better to hear that from the England kit man, you know, you, you, what a, what an amazing job. Um, other than his day job, he, you know, three or four times a year, he'll just meet up with the England lads, sort all their kit. I mean, uh, you know, obviously he has to be professional, which I'm sure he is. But um, other than being a player, it's probably the, the next best thing, I guess. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll find that out. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean there, as in next best thing because of the relationship that they have with the players mm. um you know you know everyone wants to be like a coach or a manager or whatever and stuff like that but you know the, the closeness that they'd have with a bunch of bunch of players uh, must be quite good um so pat's ready so let's get him on <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we'd love to welcome our guest today, Mr. Pat Frost. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Rich, do you want to say hello? Hi, Pat. How you doing, mate? Thanks yeah, for coming Yeah, very well, my friend. Very well, thank you. Good stuff. So for those that don't know, um, Pat Frost is the senior England kit man. Pat, let's, let's start off at the beginning, I suppose. Um, how did you get into becoming a kit man? Um, I've got a little transport business and in 2003, I was asked to take some stuff to Sweden. At the time, I just said yes, it was no problem, it was um, a delivery. It just so happened it was the football kit for the England under-19 girls. I dropped it off at the hotel, accidentally bumped into the head coach, a lady called Maureen Marley, and hit it off with her. They didn't have kit men in those days, the youth squads. And basically, I was in the right place at the right time and it just went on from that, really. Oh, wow. That's, that's quite, uh, uh, I suppose it's fate, I guess. Um, yeah. So did you then start working for England straight away? Um, I, I didn't miss a game then with the under-19 girls for about 12 years, including going to World Cups, European Championships, friendlies all over the world. It just went on from that actual trip. Oh, that wow. first well, one. I bet that's a hell of an experience going to those major tournaments. Unbelievable experience. I've been lucky enough to do seven or eight World Cups and about 25 European Championships now. So you obviously started with the uh, England under-19 women. How did that progress into the men's game? Um, well, I've actually worked at every age group, 15, 16, 17, 18s, 19s, 20s, 23s and seniors. Wow. And the 21s, they've got a squad almost at every level, including I've worked with futsal, I've worked with disability squads. I've done my apprenticeship through the years with the youth squads and I've just been lucky enough to move up the ladder kind of thing. Wow. So you've worked your way all the way up to the top. What sort of rewards do you get out of it? Why do you keep on doing it? Well, first of all, I'm a footy fan. So I have got the best. There's only one job better than mine and that's playing. I'm sure of that. Um, it's a job. It's how I earn my living now as well with the transport. And I get to watch football and I get paid. So I'm not sure it gets much better than that for a football you're, fan. No, you're right. To be fair, um, I've, I've always thought being a kit man probably is like the next best thing other than playing. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure, you know, um, a lot of a lot of people out there will think that being a kit man is literally just like hanging it up, washing it, but <laughs> there's so much more into it. Can you give us a bit of an insight into um, like a week in the life of being the England senior kit man? Yeah, it's amazing how many people do think it's just a case of hanging a shirt up. And you can, I can tell you now, my, my job's a bit easier than being a club kit man. Uh, unless somebody offers me a million pound a year, I'm never, never going back into club football because it's hard. And when I say hard, it's almost every day. They just don't get days off because when they don't play games, they'll recover. So club kit men now, uh, you know, they're under a lot of pressure and they've probably got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, some of them at the big clubs. Um, so it's a tough gig being a club kit man. I'm, I'm a little bit better off with working with England. You know, we play in November, we then play again in March, um, then again in May, June, you know, so I'm a bit lucky in that respect. I'm not at it all day, every day. I am running my transport business at the same time. I do employ 15 kit men who I supply to the football federations of England, Scotland and Wales. And occasionally, if, for instance, Forest kit men at Christmas both went down with COVID, so a couple of my lads went in to help out sort of thing, you know. So although I'm not between November and March, I'm not working as a kit man for England, 
I'm still making sure all the other squads have got their kit. I drove to Spain last week with the under-19 girls uh, just to drop their kit off, you know. So I'm always busy, but I'm not working as a kitman all the time, if you know what I mean. Wow, so uh, that that's obviously new to me, and, and I'm, I'm, I imagine that's, that's new to a lot of the listeners. So you, you have to drive the kit down, but that isn't flown down with them? No, it's not flown. Um, pretty much for financial reasons, because if you're taking a ton and a half of, of equipment, which is what we do nowadays in a van, yeah, you can't take that as a luggage on a flight because it's too expensive. We will get there the day before the team. We'll set the hotel up, set the kit room, set the medical room up, set the meeting room up. So when the team arrive on a Monday afternoon, we arrive there on a Sunday and they'll walk into the hotel as if it's already set up for them. It's like a proper operation, isn't it? Like Massive, yeah. There's so much goes into it, you can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah, and clubs do that as well, by the way. It's not just mm. national teams. Clubs do it. We, we take the kit on the road for West Ham. We're going to um, Seville next week with them. We do United, we do City, we do Tottenham. We do exactly the same for them as we do with England squads. Get there early, get set up so that when the squad arrive, the team arrive, the staff arrive, everything's sorted for them, ready to rock and roll. Oh, that's incredible. So how many... So, so let's say you've got like an international break coming up with England. Yeah. How many How many kit men are there for that first team? For that squad of 23, roughly, or, or like 20, whatever it is? There's two. I've got an unbelievable assistant who works with me. There's two of us with the seniors. There's two with 21s, 20s, 19s, 18s, 17s, 16s, 15s, all have one kit, man. Would you, would you be able to explain, like, I mean, obviously Rich has touched on it already about the, it's not literally just about the kit. So what else would actually go into the preparation for uh, a squad arriving for one of these internationals? Well, we, we've got um, a squad of 23 players, maybe 25 for the next international break and possibly 35, 40 members of staff from the media team, the communications, the medical team, video analysis, coaching staff, team operations. You know, they've all got departments and, the, you know, you're at the high end of the industry here. So um, we'll pack all the uh, people. As, as it stands at the moment, there's a lad at the um, warehouse, and it, not right now, during the day, so he's packing up the kit, whether it be medical, PPC, physical performance, um, team operation stuff, we'll get it all ready. And over the next couple of weeks, we will then go into pick that up on the Friday before we meet up and we'll transport it over to St. George's Park. So with the senior team, we'll probably take about three tonne of kit and equipment with us for the 10 days. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. For anyone listening, that, for anyone listening, that's about, I think that's about three Mercedes Sprinter vans worth, I think. Is that <laughs> it's about right? Well, we I do. Work in, we do I, have I work in you bang on, actually. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I work yeah. in logistics as well, yeah. Matt. So I, that, I, so I can understand why you fly, why you don't fly. Um, yeah. So yeah, I understand that. And also, uh, well, the, when you when you send kit on the flights and that stuff can go missing. If it's in the vans, we know where it is and we can look after it ourselves. Yeah. I bet that's a nightmare going through customs, isn't it? Uh, do you know what uh, Brexit has? Um, it's almost uh-huh. worked in our favour because you have to have the right paperwork. If you don't have the right paperwork, you're not going anywhere. And we have something that's called a temporary, temporary import document, which we get stamped at Dover or Folkestone to leave the UK, and then we get it stamped when we come back in. So you know, it's actually quite straightforward for us. Oh, happy days. I, I want to go into... Um, so, you you know, um, you, you sort of got into this by accident, um, and then years, years of hard work and enjoyment, you then find yourself being asked to 
to then be the kit man for the England senior side. Do you get a bit of, um, uh, I don't know what it's called, but uh, do you get a bit nervous when you meet all these like stars? People like Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney. Do you... I, I don't, and it's going to sound, um, I don't know how it sounds to yourself when I say I don't, but if you do, you're not going to be able to keep your job and you're not going to be able mm. to do it. You know, yeah, if, if Jack Grealish turns up with his boots when we take them off him, if I'm saying, oh, Jack, can I have a selfie with you and stuff like that, can you sign this? I'm not going to be working for the squad, simple as that, you know. You've got to be um, You've got to be cute, you've got to be clever, you've got to be do your job, you've got to do it honestly, and you can't afford to lose the trust of the players, so you can't be hassling them for stuff and being starry-eyed and, oh, you know, it's Jack Grealish, you know, you, mm. you can't be doing that. It's simple. I suppose they wouldn't do. want that either, would they? They don't want that, they just want Absolutely someone not. to do their job, no. so... no. He wants to walk in and have a go at Albion and I'll have a go at Villa from the old days and that's it. And that's what he does. He takes the mickey out of me and I take the mickey out of him and that's it. It's great. Which that leads on to when you were saying about, oh, obviously if we can't play it, the next best thing is a kit man because your relationship with the players is probably so close because, you know, a lot of the players will like their kit in specific ways. Absolutely. Stuff like that. So, yeah, they're, you're going to have that relationship with the players where they need to, where, where you, you're yeah. to trust. And them. as kitmen, we can't afford to lose the trust of the kitmen, uh, of the players. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. What's it like interacting with the manager? Does Do they try and, not try, but do they implement certain things? Have you, have you noticed changes from different managers with relating to kit or things they need, equipment? Uh, no, do you know what? We've got the lowest, um, the, the coaching staff we've got at the moment now, if we make sure they've got um, 10 mannequins, some mini goals, some flat disc cones and the balls at the right pressure, they don't hassle us for anything. They're the, they're the best group of staff we could possibly be working with the coaching-wise. They're absolutely brilliant. They're, they're just not demanding at all. Mm. I suppose that makes your job a hell of a lot easier. Absolutely, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also but, going on, but going on to that, does that mean... Because obviously these or everyone, anyone at the elite level will be of a high performance nature, mentality and stuff like that. Does that, I suppose that's a compliment to you guys that you're running a high performance network of, you know, supplying those, those, that well, kit and, and supplies. Yeah. I mean, I've no, I've no doubt at all that the lads in the PPC department, the lads in the analysis department know they're working at the top end of the industry. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying they're the best, if you know what I mean, but you're, you're not working with England senior team if you're not any good at what you do. Simple Correct. as that, you know. Let's just talk a bit about um, when you're with the England, when you're with the, with the England senior team. So you've been to some major tournaments. The last one would have been the Euros. Um, how was that? What was it like being in that atmosphere with a team doing so well, performing well? Um, playing playing games in our home stadium in a massive tournament. What was that like, Pat? Uh, it, it's actually difficult to put in words because you would have seen what the atmosphere was like on the terraces at Wembley. It's something I've never experienced before following England. Uh, I think there was probably half the amount of fans in the crowd for the Germany game. And the atmosphere for that was absolutely unbelievable. I'll, I'll, I'll probably won't experience anything again unless unless we actually win the World Cup at Wembley one year. You know, it was brilliant against Denmark and it was brilliant against Ukraine in Italy. But that Germany game was unbelievable. And to be involved in the whole, well, almost 50 days from when we met up in the northeast to play the two games at Middlesbrough, 
you know, we, we were together for, I think, 48 days. And it was just to be part of it. It, it is hard to explain. You know, I'm, I'm no different to you. I, I follow my team home and away on a Saturday. And then I get, if I wasn't working with England, 100% I'm in Qatar trying to get tickets to watch the games. And the fact that I'm involved with the whole thing, you know, it's, it is difficult to put into words how good it is and what the feeling is like. You know, I'm stood on the side of the pitch for the penalty shootout. Wow. You know, and also part of the celebrations and absolutely you know, for yeah. those for those big wins. Yeah, there for the incredible. good times and the bad times. Brilliant. Does Gareth? Um, we went. We said a little bit about um, obviously them not uh, sort of interfering as much. But does Gareth make all of his staff very much one team rather than different different departments? Is it because that? I mean, that's the way it kind of looks like from the outside that he has changed the mentality at England or changed an atmosphere and a philosophy around England? Would you say that it is all very much one one team altogether? 100% it is. I mean, different managers have different styles. You know, yeah. that's a fact. That's the way it is. I, I was in South Africa with... Um, um, who was Fabio. it? Fabio Capello. I was in um, Brazil when Roy was there. And oh, wow. managers are different. All I can say is now with what Gareth's created... You can't wait to go back on camp. You actually want to be on camp. You know, we, we were away for 45, 48 days at the Euros. And within three days of coming home, you're texting the other members of staff and you get messages off the odd player. Oh, this time last week, you know, it's one of them. That's what he's managed to create. Everybody wants to be there. He doesn't micromanage any of the departments. Mm. He's just a great bloke to work for. One thing I um one thing I did used to like, well watched during the Euros and I suppose the World Cup prior uh, is the videos, the YouTube videos yeah, yeah. and the YouTube chat. And you can just see how, um, what a great atmosphere it is when they all meet up. There's none of the old sort of, and I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but you know, it was seen on BT Sport when they were saying it about Rio, Gerard, Lampard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Like with the yeah. clubs, the club sort of thing. And yeah. you, you, they just come together now and you see them all sort of, you know, like Declan with Harry Kane, even though it's like West Ham Tottenham and stuff yeah. like that. So it it looks like he has simply changed the way England needs to be as a national team. Yeah, um, he's almost that, like to, say with Roy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, he's yeah. almost managed to create a club mentality at international level, which I can tell you now is not easy to do. No. You know, managers have tried and failed. It's not easy to do, but Gareth has actually done that. And to be fair, the people at the FA, you know, the big hitters, they organised St. George's Park. I mean, we were there for a long time and we're in a bubble, don't forget. You know, we're not going out. There's no one seen their family or friends. I, I didn't see my missus or kids, even though they came to the games. You can't go over and give them a hug or anything like that because of the bubbles. He's, he's just managed to create something. And, and what they did at St. George's Park, we had, we had a big basketball court there. The lads yeah. spent a lot of time on that. You'd have seen the videos of... Yeah. Um, Mason oh, and Declan. The yeah. singer came in as well. Didn't he? I can't even remember his name. On oh, who was it? Who the singer came in? I don't know. Oh. I had a singer come in. I don't know. Yeah. I've seen that. No, they got the videos. Oh, oh right, I've seen that. I must have been one that I missed. The ginger haired lad. I can't even remember his name. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Yes, that's him. <laughs> yeah, so I he came in that. and did a little gig for the players and whatever you know. It just builds oh, that team spirit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you, you know, you look at you look at all. All the successful teams throughout history, they've all had that. They've Absolutely, all had that. yeah. Um, uh, so it, it is actually amazing to hear from someone 
who's not a player, because obviously all, all players don't usually, uh, they have to say, not they have to say, but they always say something, you know, that sort of goes along with the narrative. So to hear from it, someone behind the scenes is actually really impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that all, I guess, is uh, that is all testament to Gareth. Yeah, and if you um, don't have that, by the way, you're not winning anything. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I agree That's with that. That's a fact. Uh, the proof's in the pudding, because you look at the World Cup prior, getting to where we got to, and then, you know, getting to the semi-final, now getting to a final. Mm. Right, not getting there, unfortunately. Yeah. What a horrible night. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, Qatar is the, ne- is the next thing to go to go that one step, pro- yeah. one step closer. And it is proof that it's working. It is mm. working. No matter, you know, beating teams like Germany, like we've had it over the years, it's, it's not been an easy feat for England. Yeah. And um, and convincingly as well, by the way, during that game. That yeah. Was yeah. Brilliant game of football. Let's just go back to talking a bit about get your job, Pat. Yeah. What what's the main um what's the main sort of changes you've seen since you first started to now like where we're at now? Well, so for instance, when I went to Sweden in two thousand and four, I think I took half a van of kit and equipment with us. Yeah. You you can't get it on a van nowadays. Things have moved on with sports science and physical performance and stuff like that, you know. In 2004, if I said to you, oh, we're going to have a Watt bike on the side of the pitch for a cool down or warm up, you'd have been laughed out of town. Yeah. Those, yeah. those sort of things are happening now. Everything's moved moved on, if you know what I mean. Do you have responsibility for everything? So things like a warm-up bike on the side of the pitch, ice baths, uh, even down to sock tape. I guess you have to cover everything. Well, actually, we do cover sock tape, which I hate, by the way. A, but no, the, the P, we've got some great lads who work for us. The, the PPC will look after all their stuff. We'll transport it down by the van, but they'll have it all ready by the door. You know, we, they, we don't have to worry about their departments or the video analysis stuff. They all look after their own oh, okay. equipment. Yeah. It's, we are only looking after the kit. It would be impossible okay. to do, which yeah. is why there's 35, 40 members of staff, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Makes that was sense. going to be my next question: is the the technology side of things with the monitors and stuff like that, yeah, and laptops, yeah. and yeah. Well, you've seen them; they're they're watching the game on exactly, laptops, yeah. so they can see anything. Even right. for the injury side, if someone gets a knock, they're assessing the tackle and stuff like that. You know, mm. things have moved on. Things have moved on a lot since I first started twenty years ago. I'm going to just throw in like a little curveball question here, as a. As a kit man, what's the strangest request you, that you've had from a player? Um, do you know what? I, I used to leave Ben Foster a little block of dairy milk for half time when I worked at Albion. <laughs> really? <laughs> He'd have a cup of tea and a bit of chocolate. Um, really? Shane Long liked a can of Pepsi at the end of the game what? to have a bit of sugar, I'm guessing, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But we, we don't get any real quirky uh, requests, to be fair. I can't even yeah. make anything up because we, just, <laughs> we, we don't, if you know what I mean. There's, mm. there's, there's nothing that stands out. There's, but I'm sure there's players that like short slightly, either too long or too short, and then they have socks that they want a bit more fit in. So yeah, you get those kind of like uh, those those kind of things for the yeah. We get we've look got three or style. Yeah, yeah. We've got three or four different types of ankle socks which lads will wear, or or cut yeah. off socks, you know, mm. and um, or under armors that they want cut into a tank top type, type thing or That's take it, the yeah. sleeves off, long sleeve, short sleeve, undershorts. But I'd, you probably notice nowadays the, the shirts are fitted to perfection mm, yeah. Yeah. and the shorts, no one has baggy shorts anymore. They're all nice and tight, you know, they're mm. all nicely tight fitted. 
Yeah, they're not all wearing extra large like they were. No, they're not. No, no, those <laughs> no, days are gone. Yeah, the, yeah, those days. <laughs> the old baggy um, shirts. And going on to that, because sometimes you see like um, players, like you were saying, with um, like holes in their shirts and stuff like that. For you see like, them with, with like holes in the calves as well. Yeah. yeah, like are you having the one to do that? No, no, we don't. But thankfully, for at our level, the shorts, shirts, and socks, the players get to keep all those after the game. So. They can so it's do literally what they a whole new kit every 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 game. Yes, wow. yeah. We might, we, not everyone takes all their shorts. Mm. And we'll try and recycle them if we can, but we don't get stressed over that with grass stains and stuff like that. We've always got enough to make sure that everyone's got a brand new set of kit for every game. Wow. Yeah. So take note, non-league players, stop yeah. cutting holes in socks and cutting, yeah. <laughs> because they get to take them home and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the years, Pat, uh, you must have, um, you've obviously been exposed to some of the best footballers in the world, probably the best footballers in the world. And, and obviously, although you, although you don't expect it as you go through, because it is a job, you're, you are obviously professional, you obviously probably get some form of memorabilia from certain players. Do you have like a most sort of treasured one? Do you know what? You're not going to believe this. I actually haven't got a single shirt. Really? I've never collected them. Never. I, I I had a couple from my Albion days, you know, signed by Chris Brunt and mm. Nicholas Anelka and stuff like that. But I just never collected shirts ever. If somebody gives me a shirt, and we do get them, that you know, the odd one left over. If anybody asks me one to raise money for charity or kids or yeah. stuff like that, I'll just hand it over. I actually physically don't have a shirt. You can probably see from my background, my vice is yeah. trainers. It leads on to the trainer wall, the famous trainer wall. Yeah, so I'd actually don't collect shirts, unbelievably. So how did the trainer wall start? I blame uh, Sporty Spice when she hit the scene. She wore a pair of black and white sambas. I thought, oh, they look smart. So, yeah, Sporty Spice's fault. <laughs> so how many pairs have you got? Because that is quite impressive. Uh, I think I've got about 400 now. Wow. Yeah. The kids Brilliant won't be after my house when shoot. I pass away, by the way. They'll be after <laughs> me trainers. I was going to say, it's only in a size 11, Pat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, brilliant football in indoor football shoe, Samba. Brilliant. Yeah, Pat, give us the okay. Let, let's talk about a match day. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about. Uh, I mean, you like you say you work long hours and it's, it's a seven day job. On a match day, what's the sort of start to finish of a, of a match day? How would that look? Well, depending on kickoff times, um, let's just say it's an eight o'clock kickoff. Yeah. The night before, I have got, I don't know if my assistant will watch this. His name's Neil Jones, by the way. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. He'll do everything with regarding the kit and I'll look after logistics and stuff like that. He will pack up the 23 individual piles the day before. We'll put them all in a big trolley and I will print up, I'll put the names, uh, the numbers on the names of the shirts the night before. And if we've got an eight o'clock kickoff, for instance, about 11, 12 o'clock, the lads will do a, uh, walk through of set plays and stuff like that about midday. And after that, we will then go to the stadium, whether it be Wembley, Hamden Park, wherever it is, we will try and get to the stadium about three o'clock, which is three or four hours before kickoff. But when you've got to unload two, three tonne of kit and you don't know what access is going to be like, where you're going, um, we'll then set up and ideally we'll be set up with an hour to spare just in case there's any issues and stuff like that. In fact, um, about a year ago, I printed a number one 
upside down on one of the shirts, which might seem like a minor thing, but there's a little England crest on these number ones, and I printed it upside down. So when Neil's just checking everything's right, the reason you get there early so you can put things like that. You know, I've had to print another shirt up, for instance, just to think, you know, you do make the odd mistake. you just got to make sure yeah. you check and put them right. So those, those, those numbers don't come pre, you know, no, pre-done get, from Nike? We get, no, we get the shirts with the names on because obviously we yeah. don't know who's going to be in the squad, who's ah, going to be. Oh, yeah, of course. So yeah. We've got to put the numbers on. But they, they come from a, a chap in Yorkshire does them for us. Um, so he puts all the names on them and then we'll put the the numbers on the, the back. I'm surprised Nike when we get the team. Like yeah, the, the names. Mm. I'd have thought they'd have done the names. All right, that's kind no, of... they do the names, sorry. They're all on. We oh, they the do. Numbers. We put them oh, on. Oh, right. Them. Okay. Okay. Got you. Front and back. Yeah, I can understand the numbers now. I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, international football. Yeah. And I suppose it isn't just all the sort of pre-game prep you have to do because you, you have to be ready during the games, right? If there's a, you know, if there's like multiple head injuries, you have to have shirts at the ready, right? Yeah, we do. We have, we have a bag of what we call them blood shirts. Because the last thing yeah. we want is if they go down to 10 men because someone's got a head injury and they score while we're down to 10 men. And I'm like, mm. Frosty, what's happened here? Having said that nowadays, again, things have moved on because if someone gets a head injury, they tend to bring them off. So yeah. You won't very often see a player go on with a head injury with blood, you know, whatever. So, no more Terry Butchers, is there? No, no more Terry Butchers. No, those days are gone. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't get over how how important Lucky Kit Man is. Even I'd say even during the games, the blood shirts, but even like before the game, when you have over like all the eleven players walk on for the for the anthem, they yeah. then have to give someone all their anthem jackets. Anthem jackets, yeah. You have to walk over and collect all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil will do that normally, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And he'll go straight back in and refold them because we give them uh, clean, nicely pressed and what have you, and they only wear them for a couple of minutes. Mm, so yeah. providing they don't chuck them on the floor and it's muddy or Neil catches <laughs> them, we'll try and refold them just to save a bit of uh, hassle. That makes sense. Um, I, I, I have to ask you this. Um, have you got any sort of funny anecdote stories for us throughout years without without sort of incriminating anyone? <laughs> you know what? It's, when, when, nothing springs to mind, to be fair. I mean, when the, we played in Russia for the um, Columbia game, uh, bear in mind, we get the shirts with the names on, like I said, and we just put the numbers on. So these shirts come into us. For whatever reason, Harry Maguire's shirt was marked up wrong. He would normally have a large. This was a large. It was marked up large. It was clearly an extra large shirt. He's come to put it on about six or seven minutes before kickoff, ah. and the shirt's too big. In fact, his words were, Frosty, I've got a shirt big enough for my granddad here. So <laughs> I've, we've then had to print him another shirt which isn't easy to do in five minutes. Neil's out on the pitch collecting all the warm-up stuff up, the balls, you know, whatever. And I've got, I've got everything sort of like laid out, but I've got to put numbers on it front and back. I've got to put the name block on. I've got to put the detail of the Columbia game. Um, And he's literally putting his shirt on while he's in the tunnel, literally waiting to go out onto the pitch. Thankfully he scored after about 10 minutes, didn't he? (laughs) So did he come running over to you? Yeah, well, he didn't as it happened. Um, but we kind of got away with it, even though it wasn't really our fault because he obviously just marked labeled up wrong. Mm. Um, but I, I can't really give you anything because you know nothing really funny happens. Mm. Let's put it this way then is there a is there a certain player or players that um 
that ask a bit too much of you or is there a certain player that gives you the most banter? So you said Jack with West Brom. Yeah, no, Jack will 100% give us a load of banter, but no one takes the mickey. And, you know, the skipper makes sure he keeps everybody in, in line kind of thing. You know, if if Harry thought that someone was taking the mickey out of the kit, man, he pulled them to one side. What, what are you doing, lads? That's their man. You know, that's how good it is at the moment. It, it, wow. it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. We're both Spurs fans, Pat. So, um, oh, so, so for you to tell <laughs> us that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's but like, Harry... you're not old enough to remember the Ready Brett kid, are you? No, not really. No, there was an advert for Ready Brett with a little kid in it who'd walk to school with a glow all the way around him. That's what Harry Kane's like for me when he's on. He's just brilliant to have around. And I absolutely love the bloke. And we'll only know how good he is when he packs up. Yeah, we will. You're right. Um, There's this whole whole sort of like stigma going around that he needs to win trophies. But I I, I don't really think that that'll matter either way. Um, he, he's still going to be England's greatest ever goal scorer, Tottenham's greatest ever goal scorer. Yeah. Um, and that probably means more than than FA Cup. Yeah. Um, but you're right. We'll only we'll only find out when he's gone. Yeah. Um. And Jambo. that's no that's no mean feat beating Jimmy Greaves' record at Tottenham either. <laughs> no, and he's on, he's he's on course to do it, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and even Shearer's... Of course, to do everything, yeah. Shearer's will be tough in uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, it will, yeah. I think he might get England's, though. Yeah, I, thought, oh, I, I yeah. think he will, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully in Qatar, you know. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> That's really good. That's nice to hear. That's really nice to hear. I like that. That's cool. Do the players do anything for you? So, like, the end of a tournament, do they, you know, do they give you a big thank you? Do you know what I mean? Like... Listen, yeah, I don't know if you saw the footage of when we were leaving after the Euros. Um, we were at the Grove at Watford loading mm. up the vans and three quarters of the players were still at the hotel. Some had, obviously, once we got once the final was over, they could go off and see their families because the bubble had ended, basically. But there were still three quarters on at the hotel and we're trying to load vans and they're getting in their cars. And I remember, because my lads, my, we had three kitmen at the Euros. The other, lad, the other kitman was my son, Daniel who's kit man for the under-19s. And I can remember watching BBC News later that night and Calvin Phillips is giving him a massive hug before he disappears, you know, stuff like that. When you say they do this stuff for us, they don't hassle us for anything. And that's all we ask, you know, that we know what they want. We make sure they get We make sure they get it. Don't forget, we, we clean their boots after the training sessions, after games and what have you. They're all very appreciative. Mm. I was going to come on to that. Do you look after their boots as well? Yes, you we do. do. Yeah, it's a pain in the backside. Not because we don't like cleaning them. It's just a responsibility. Yeah. I, mean, I remember our first um, World Cup game, mine and Neil's, in um, Russia. And we didn't put everybody's boots out. We had them all with us because obviously we took them there. Um, but because there's so much going on in the dressing room, I remember Jordan Henderson saying to Neil, uh, where's my match boots? And Neil's looked at me. I've looked at him as if to say, what? I haven't seen them. Thankfully, they're in one of the skips. But, you know, it's just little things like that. The, the boots are a pain because they're no different to Lewis Hamilton's, Lewis Hamilton's cars. People mm. say to me, oh, flipping heck, he's got four pairs of boots. Yeah, so what? It costs 500 quid. Lewis Hamilton's got five cars. costs about <laughs> 50 million. No different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you're right. And boots are, you know, they're probably like, like the main thing for a player. Absolutely. You know, that yeah. is their, you know, that's their sort of briefcase if you're yeah. an office worker. That's, yeah. that's everything to them. Jambo, have you got anything... Got anything lurking? Oh, actually, yeah, I'm going to go on to the boots thing. Um, b- 
because obviously you see the guys bring their boots in on those videos at the start and they hand their boots over and stuff like that. So those are, those are then handed to you, yeah. I assume, or your team. Um, so they, they get so many different, different, different boots. What obviously you see, um, is there any, that's just going to, it's probably going to sound a really, really boring question, but from my head, it's not because I used to play football. So back in the day, obviously when you're cleaning boots, it used to be, you know, a bit of water, a bit of scrub, a bit of dubbing on, what, is has anything changed from that? Because obviously, this, you know, the, the days have probably gone from the kangaroo leather and stuff like that. Yeah, because the, the way plastic these days. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? So, is there a certain way to clean them? And I don't know well, that's a really boring question, but no, to me, boring. it's not. <laughs> There's actually some boots called anti-clog, which, well, like, you you wouldn't even know they existed, but the mud just doesn't stick to them, unbelievably. So, all we need is hot water. It, I know it sounds crazy that they're called anti-clog boots. The mud doesn't stick to them. The technology is unbelievable. Are they the ones? Hold on, Rich. Hold on, Rich. There's dads up and down the country now. (laughs) Going to get grief. Going to get grief from sons because you said that. Yeah, I know. I want anti-clog boots. boots. (laughs) Yeah. Are they the ones, Pat, that you have to like dip in water before you play, like the sole? No, we've got something called. uh, Well, it's just a boot steamer. So we'll we'll put the boots in the steamer maybe some of them like them 10 minutes some like them half an hour uh somebody like carl walker will only want them in for about a minute just to soften them up mm. um so there's only five six maybe seven or eight players who use the steamers some of them aren't bothered but some of them like them nice and soft it just heats them up basically yeah i think chelsea carry a microwave for instance you know really? just put it in there for a minute or two yeah <laughs> wow it'll just soften up the new boots yeah I can imagine. Okay, so instead of the sort of wearing in procedure that a, a yeah. non-league player would have yeah. to do, where they end up getting blisters for the next <laughs> few games. That's it, yeah. I remember hearing a story uh, about John Terry. He has a new pair of boots every 45 minutes. Is that right? Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to know who told you that story. Uh, I can't remember no, where I've heard it. Not any difference. So I'm in um, <laughs> South Africa, I think it was, and he'd got about 45, 50 pairs of boots. Um, and he had he would wear a pair for the warm up, first half and second half. But I remember my first job when I when he got to South Africa or when I got to South Africa was to change all the studs on his boots from eleven mil to thirteen mil, which doesn't sound like much. But when you got flipping fifty pairs of boots, all with six to eight studs in, mm. it's not a five minute job. No, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, but listen, so it is in, true. In, he has like three pairs of boots a game. Uh, pretty much he did, yeah. I mean, we we most players have got four or five pairs of boots now anyway. Yeah. Mm. They don't all wear them, but they certainly swap them at half time or even maybe after the warm up. So that's not that it might sound extreme for John Taylor, but it's not, you know, mm. it's not as if it's crazy as it sounds, to be fair. Just out of curiosity, why do they change that? I mean, do they tell you why? Do they? It could be the surface, could be a bit softer yeah. than they thought or a bit harder. They could change okay. the mold, they could change the studs, you know, that sort of stuff. Some of them got um, training different boots to what they play in. They've got match boots. They've got training yeah. boots. Or as per the recent news about Wayne Rooney, he wanted to hurt someone, so he put longer studs on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was crazy hearing that, but fair enough. To Going me. back to the boots, um, for, for, for carrying boots, Trent Alexander-Arnold's my favourite player because he's got one pair. Really? One pair. Yeah, and that's it. Just get just one pair. Oh, well, that's nice and easy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> The only downside is they're normally white or pink, so they're not easy to keep. I was going to say, he, he's Under Armour, isn't he? Is he Under yeah, Armour? Yeah. yeah, he yeah. is Under Armour. Yeah. What boots do you wear, uh, Pat? 
Uh, <laughs> we wear Nike ones, the standard issue ones. Oh, you would have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I, just quickly, let's go on to some trivia questions. So, so obviously, you've been to a lot of football grounds. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, as a as a you know following Albion yeah. home and away, and obviously uh, going around the world with England. Yeah. Favorite international venue that you've set foot in, apart from Wembley. Uh, I did like doing the um, the one in Rome for the Euros because we were in um, Lazio's dressing room. Yeah, and it, it's you know it's old school. It was little oh, nooks nice. and crannies everywhere mm. and the light blue and the white so i did like that one it wasn't particularly big to be fair you know if you ask okay. me my favorite dressing room of all time it's probably wigan athletics because it's built for a rugby team so you've got massive space yeah swansea swansea's massive as well and you want space as a kit man for all your skips and what have you wow okay so stadio olympico yeah and what no, about no. albion what's your favorite away ground of albion uh for, for, for dressing rooms, it's always nice to go to Fulham because you get change in the cottage. Mm. It's not particularly oh, good, yeah, but because yeah. of the history there, it, it's nice to go there. Oh, brilliant. Oh, great. Um, just quickly as well, what's what's the most difficult destination to get stuff sent to or, or when you're travelling to? Because obviously you go to a lot of... Um, San you know, Marino, places like San that. San Marino, Andorra, and and yeah. you know even down to Macedonia and stuff like that. What is is there really difficult locations that? Uh, we went to um, Baku last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is we went we took that for Wales, which is no mean feat by the way getting into Baku because you've got a, <laughs> you've got a two day drive across Turkey, you've got a two day drive to get to Turkey, you've then got to go through Georgia, you've then got to go through Armenia and try wow. and get into Azerbaijan. In fact, at one point, the lad ring me up. He says, "That's it. I'm leaving the van here. I'm walking out." <laughs> That's the kind of problems you're up against. <laughs> the wow. life of a kit man, yeah, listeners, isn't just washing shirts. I can assure you. No, absolutely, it isn't. That's incredible. Um, I think we're going to end on this one, Pat. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you what's been your um, what's been your favourite moment as a kit man. Uh... Well, at club level, it was probably going to Wolves and winning 5-1 for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially the, especially what we're going through at the moment and what they're going through. They're knocking on the door of Champions League and we're knocking on the door of Division 1. Um, but internationally, I have to say that game against um, Colombia in Russia. Oh, really? The penalty shootout. Yeah. Mm. Eric, yeah, Dyer. That was, Eric um, Dyer, yeah. Because they... Kicked us all over the park as well. They tried absolutely everything. They did, yeah. yeah. And um, the lads stood tall and we got through it. And I think a lot of the lads would say, you know, it was probably one of the best games they played in because they were, they were all over the place, Colombia, trying everything they could in the book. And they were tough. It was a tough game as well. It was very tough, yeah. Yeah, so that might, that might be up there. But Germany in the Euros last year was fantastic. You got plenty of good yeah. memories. Plenty. Yeah, I have, yeah. With a bit of luck, we'll be making some more in November. Fingers crossed. Um, oh, I hope so. Pat, thank you very much. You've been amazing. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, mate. No problem. Here at Hitting the Areas podcast, we are big supporters of the MND Association for this series. Motor neurone disease is a fatal, rapidly progressing disease that affects the brain and the spinal cord, leading to loss of movement, speech, and ultimately the ability to breathe. 
My name's Richard Kaiser. I, I lost my dad to this disease last year, and that's why we support it. If you can visit their website, which is the MND Association, if you just Google that, there'll be more information about the disease and also how you can donate if you wish to. Thank you. Rich, so that was our interview with Pat Frost. How, how good was that? You know me well, Jambo. I've been wanting to get a kit man on for ages. Um, so to get the England kit man on was fantastic. Um, really good to finally meet Pat, uh, even though it was on by Zoom. But uh, yeah, we've been talking to him for a while, asking him to come on. Um, and he was fantastic. Um, and I really hope we, that we've given our listeners a real insight into the life of a kit man because it isn't just dealing with the match kit there is so much going on which which you've just heard that he has to organize and all of his staff has to organize and also the sort of you know the sort of responsibility they they earn the trust of these millionaire footballers um and they can't take that for granted they they have to be just as professional in their job as the players are on the pitch um so I'm I'm over the moon that we finally got to speak to Pat. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure that it'll be a favourite amongst our listeners. It's certainly one of my favourites already. Um, but yeah, lovely bloke, um, and also nice to nice to hear all the good things he, he had to say about you know Gareth, Harry, uh, even even you know the sort of banter he has with Jack Grealish. That is. Really good to hear. You know, we're all England fans in the day. When it comes to these tournaments, we want England to win. Um, so to hear that there is that good atmosphere behind the scenes and probably the best he's probably seen, although he hasn't, he didn't say that. Um, it certainly come across that way. Yeah, I was really interested with the logistics part of it, and obviously the the travelling and how they how they ship the equipment and what equipment gets shipped via them. Um, you know, because everyone, like you say, everyone seems to think like the guy's just putting a kit out, washing it, cleaning some boots. But there's just a whole operation involved with it. Um, and, and, you know, that's things that people won't know. We didn't know that. You know, we didn't know everything about that. We know a little bit. But, um, yeah, it was just it was really interesting to hear some full stories. And, and especially with probably the most elite job in English football being the England national team. Um, but interesting to hear that club club kit men have it a lot harder um, and, you know, and, and how difficult it is for them because obviously the amount of games involved all the way through the season, whereas Pat literally has, like he says, November, March, and then the international fixtures throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it, it was just such a good, good chat with such a thoroughly nice guy, open mm. guy. Um, able to tell us all about the sort of ins and outs and, and what the players are like, which is great because the relationship that he does need to have with them is quite close. If we can see, he'll be speaking to them day in, day out, um, he'll be seeing them day in, day out. So you've got to kind of have that professional, but also at the same time, um, a, a, a friendly relationship with the players. He would um, probably have more interaction with the players than someone like Southgate would in terms of time and dealing with issues that they probably have just as much time with them. Yeah, potentially because they're in that dressing room all the time. Whereas mm. someone like someone like Southgate will have a manager's office and, and stuff like that. And yeah. he's not always he's not going to be around the players all the time in terms of, you know, preparing their stuff. So yeah, I kind of get what you mean there. Um 
but yeah great episode really hope people enjoy it um not not massively long um you know all the questions that we wanted that were answered and and hopefully we've been a bit more informative um and who better to get the england kit man to to tell us about that and we really are living up to the name in terms of hitting the areas we are going to try and hit all these uh all these diverse areas of the game to give you different aspects um of football um and we, and we are going to keep that up throughout this series. Yeah, we got we got so many different areas that we're going to hit this time round. Um, we're, we're literally just going to keep banging them out weekly, you, you, you know. And um, once again, like we said in the intro to to this series and the preview review um, about having anyone from anyone from non-league to latest football stories and stuff like that to authors and. Uh, guys that you know people that may have books out that 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 you'd be interested in reading that book so anything like that really so just you know keep looking at our social medias the one thing that we really need you to do is subscribe so you know it it mean a lot to us if you could subscribe and leave a review especially on apple Podcasts. that's where we can get the get the more views um and make the podcast even bigger and more um, and more accessible uh, obviously, you know our Twitter channels, our Instagram channels, um, they're available for you guys to see at Hitting, the, at Hitting Areas Pod on Twitter and at Hitting the Areas Podcast on Instagram. We're also on LinkedIn, so if you want to follow us on LinkedIn, you can do again, Hitting the Areas Podcast. But yeah, hit that subscribe button and hit that and, and, and leave us a really nice review if you're enjoying the podcast or or anyone that you would like us like to come on, anyone that you think would have been an interesting guest that we could potentially get um, and have a chat with uh, as realistic as possible. <laughs> um, you also want to mention a friend, don't you, Jambo? You want to mention a friend's yeah, account? Yeah, we've, we've got a little mention this week in, um, in uh, a podcast that I follow. Um, I've, I follow a podcast called the Haircuts and Uppercuts podcast. Um, and they gave us a lovely mention. I, I, I've just got into to boxing, mainly because of that podcast. You know, I, I tend to listen to podcasts that um, are informative and, and um, you know, a real good listen, especially when I'm sort of driving to work or something like that. I'd love to listen to a real good podcast. Obviously, I quite, you know, I listen to like high performance podcasts and, and Happy Place, Van Cotter and people, you know, those really, really top end ones. But Haircuts and Uppercuts got into it um uh don't know the boys personally but uh, you know i know of them um so i started listening to that and it's, it's got me into boxing a little bit you know i started to watch the fights on the saturday and sunday um so i want to give them a massive shout out it's a really good podcast um they're so passionate so informative so knowledgeable about the sport and it's and it's got me into boxing a little bit and um you know they they really know their stuff and it's a really good listen uh so thank you very much guys for the for the for the mention in the in the last episode of your podcast we really really appreciate it that's us for this week um we'll be back next week with another guest uh look out on social media for who that guest will be again in the meantime if you want to tweet us and say get these guys on or whoever or whoever maybe a non-league star that you feel that should get a little shout out we'll be happy to interview them and and and, and tell their story so that's it for this week we've been hitting the areas podcast Thank you very much.